Welcome to Demystify Innovation. I'm Jonathan Foster. And I'm Hannah Serfeldt. In this episode, we have a fascinating conversation with innovation professional Johan Fredriksson about strategy. Johan talks about the six steps needed when building a successful strategy. We talk about culture and wonder if culture really eats strategy for breakfast. And we hear from a company that has taken Johan's advice to heart. We meet Cecilia Grenard and discover how applying systematic innovation makes a difference at Terence. Asking questions like, why are we doing what we're doing? And what needs to be changed? Might not sound like a review of your business strategy. But as we learn, simple questions actually clarify and coordinate a complex innovation approach. We began by asking Johan Fredriksson, what do we mean when we talk about culture in business? The behavior and attitudes of people and, and perhaps what they think, say and believe or, or reason around a topic. So in this case, innovation. And I think there's a big misconception about it. There's a big uh, excuse. They always claim we have the wrong culture. Uh, and and uh, f- our observation perhaps is that uh, there's something else that is wrong. So from a so, almost sort of amateur psychological kind of way, when they say we have the wrong culture, well, they, they mean something else, right? They mean they have the wrong... Yeah, what do they really mean? I, as I said, I, I, I think it is an excuse. I don't think they really can pinpoint the issue that they're having. Mm. Uh, so there might be a lot of other things that are wrong. It might not be that the attitude or, or uh, incentive or motivation of people, w- which would imply you know, wrong culture perhaps. Uh, but I think there's a lack of guidance. There's a lack of, of understanding of what to do and who should do it. So in my mind, I think this ties very much back to strategy. I, I think there's a, you might have the wrong guidance, the wrong plan. But you claim or, or you, 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 you use culture as a very complex term as an excuse. So cu- culture is something that you can't really get your finger on. It's nobody can, knows what it is. Nobody can manipulate it. So you can blame culture because that's not procedures, processes, working practices. Exactly. Some people m- would argue differently. They would say that, yes, you can measure culture. You, you can probably you know, measure uh, people's attitudes and, and their values and core values and, and uh, what they do and behaviors. But in general, I think the general uh, individual use culture as a fluffy word and have it as an excuse. So what comes first, the chicken or the egg? What comes first, the culture or the plan? <laughs> I, I, I would say uh, I would say the plan has has um, well should should be raised higher should be be prioritized higher. Uh, I think we hear a lot of people uh, referring to I don't remember his name but who who tells us that culture eats strategy for breakfast. Peter Drucker, exactly. yes, the famous saying exactly. by Peter Drucker, culture eats strategy for yeah. breakfast. Why are we so eager to agree with him? Uh, are we? Yeah, I, 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 I'm not, but, but uh, okay, if, if you have a plan and people do uh, in other ways, you know, if they have another motivation, they will not follow the plan. So in, in essence, you, he's right that culture will eat strategy will eat any kind of plan but in order to perhaps change or, or influence the culture maybe we need to have a bit of planning in place maybe we need to 
to uh, think ahead and and uh, and then gradually perhaps move people in one direction or the other. So so I think there's an interplay between the two. It's not one or the other. It's not chicken or the hen. It's chicken and the hen. Okay, so a, a sort of emergence of all things yes. in an equal equal way. We we sometimes hear people talking about culture or leadership being driven from the top. Does culture have a direction from which it comes? Is it more top-down driven? Is it more the group itself? Uh, the culture probably, or I mean, it constitutes the group behavior and the group attitude. Uh, so you can, it doesn't come from the top. However, from the top, you can affect it. You can, you can uh, have an influence on it. And, and you, of course, if you start to measure what people do, you probably will drive behavior in such a direction. If, if you incentivize, if you, if you reward a certain behavior, you will gradually move the culture in that direction. So from the top, you can affect, you can have an influence on the yeah. culture. That could be a negative rewarding too. Absolutely. You, you can have the, the wrong incentive scheme in place and, and get the wrong behavior, for sure. We, we see that all the time that, uh, you know, if, if you incentivize number of ideas, for example, uh, you might get the wrong ideas. You get a bulk load of stuff, but it might not contribute to the, to the purpose or to the business. So, so how can organizations do this right then? Do you have anything to, any tool to give them or anything else that you want to? We quite often follow uh, a stepwise process, answering a set of, of key strategic questions uh, related to innovation. Uh, and there are, uh, there are a number of, of key strategic questions that, that you need to focus on. First, uh, there are some questions related to why are we doing this? You know, what, what is the purpose? What are we trying to achieve? Uh, and also then, what is it that we need to change? You know, in innovation is just a tool uh, to achieve something. It's a tool to create renewal of some kind. And, and we need to figure out why are we doing it? What's the driving force behind this change? And then also, what, what is it that we would like to change? Uh, perhaps particular products, services, parts of our offerings or ways of working, etc. So that's, that's one crucial part of, of uh, this uh, strategic planning process. The other part is obviously answering, so how do we do it? What are the different activities that we're driving? Uh, how are they set up? And uh, who is responsible for them? And, and also perhaps how often and how much do we invest in them? So it's, it's really the why and what on the one hand and uh, who and how on the other hand. With your experience of having done this for so many years, when they say, why are we doing that? I would assume that would be to gain more market segment or to increase revenue or to... What are the reasons? Why do they do it? Most often we, we think about commercial businesses. So there it's profitability, margin, growth, etc. Growth, growth all the time. But if you're thinking about society, uh, it, it can be about social security or gender equality, for example, or... or or, or uh, circular economies, you know, we, we would like to achieve a, a more sustainable society. So, so the driving force, the reasons for innovating is 
yeah, there are so many different reasons. So they come to you uh, falsely claiming a problem with culture when, when actually it's probably a problem with their internal mechanisms. Uh, they say, uh, this is why we're doing it. We have a, a goal and a, a kind of a strategy that you're pleased with. What's the next step? What, what happens then? To start off with, we very often uh, would like to have a qualitative, some qualitative input um, to, to get a sense for the, the current situation of the organization, of the company. Uh, so, so it's more, it's very much interviews and, and uh, you know, what are they doing and why are they doing it? And, and where do they need renewal? And as a complement to that, you do a lot of research. Can you run us through what, what your strategic plan would contain then? You've, you've interviewed them. The first question is very much about the objective. Why are we doing it? What is the purpose? What, what, are, what is it that we're trying to achieve? Perhaps uh, to what extent do we really need it? So at this point, you could say we don't need to innovate. Yes. Let's say goodnight. Yes. And I think that's a strategy in itself. You, know, you have a clear understanding that, look, we do, what we do today is great and we don't need change. Uh, similarly, we can see other organizations who are asking for innovation, but they don't know what to do with it. That they're just saying, we need change, we need change, and, and, but they can't pinpoint why mm. and how it will contribute to, to their uh, you know, improved business. So there's both, you have everything in between as well. So presuming, presuming that they decide to go ahead and innovate, instead of saying thank you very much, uh, what's the next question? Next uh, question, if we know why we're doing it, and, and perhaps can put some uh, targets or visions around that, uh, we need to figure out what is it that needs to be changed. Uh, and basically, you do a list of inventory. You, you, you look at the, the organization and you list the things they have, the services, the offerings, the, the processes and, and, and their ways of working. And, and you, you do an inventory there of what are the things that we need to, to improve or change. Basically, you make a prioritized list of areas in need of change. Do you see any, any pattern that uh, organizations try to to reach for the sky uh, rather than doing nothing and say, no, thank you, innovation is good, renewal is good, but it's not for us. I think people too often have very high, uh, they would like to have high ambition because they think it's the right thing to do, but they're not, uh, they haven't done the reality check. They're not ready to implement it. They're not ready to, to uh, pursue it and, and really launch things uh, that are so disruptive so these first three questions they are a sort of a reality check i suppose they're, they're the way you elbow this uncertain fluffy culture out the window and and come up with some measurable answers that you can move on with in essence they are really the business strategy it, it's a check of your existing business strategy it's a review i would say it's, it's really a review of the business strategy. Or in some cases, a first look. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's what, quite often what we find, that on, on the top level, you might have some targets, financial targets, but it doesn't give anyone further down guidance on, on what areas to prioritize and, and how to achieve that growth. So quite often, these first three questions are there 
to provide an answer to the normal business strategy. So let's move on to the next three, because we spend a lot of our time in, in the sort of uncertain world of dreams and hopes. Well, what about the practical things? Is that what the next three questions cover? Yes. So the, the second half of, of this strategic wheel, if you will, is dealing with the how and who. So how are we going to do it? And, and who is doing it? And, and what do we invest? And, and uh, one of the first questions there that we try to, to clarify is what we call the approach. So what approach do we have to our innovation effort? Are we going to, uh, uh, today, you most likely are familiar with design thinking and, and everyone thinks that it's the silver bullet for, for every problem, every challenge. And I mean, design thinking is one approach. It, it's uh, super good to, to work with services, to analyze customers in, in a journey in, uh, when they're experiencing a service. But it's not equally good for problem, technical problem solving. So, I mean, if, if we are a company that has a lot of technical problems that we need to innovate on, customer journey perhaps is not the right tool for it. So we need a whole set of different tools, different approaches. Uh, a couple of years ago, we had open innovation. Everything was solved with open innovation. As long as you invite people from the outside as much as possible, everything is solved. But what happens if you have, uh, for example, complex internal problems of ways of working that only we know about internally? Should we invite the public? Is that the solution to it? No. So uh, I think one of the biggest um, challenges here is to open the eyes for people that there are different methods and different tools for different challenges. And, and we need a set of them. We need an array. You know, it's like a deck of cards and, and you can play a few different cards. The question isn't really then uh, looking for the latest fashion and innovation that's going to be the long-term solving of all problems, but the skill in choosing the already out there tools. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's to really understand the tools that we need to solve our innovation challenges. And I think this is where you have innovation leaders, you know, which is a new profession. Uh, innovation leaders should be capable of selecting the right approach and, and to be able to run uh, those uh, different activities in, in a professional way. You, you have probably two different innovation leaders. You have the ones who, who write the diagnosis, perhaps are, are engaged in, in developing this strategic plan, but then you have perhaps the more operational innovation leader, the, let's say the facilitator, the process leader, and they are really responsible for driving these you know, these activities, these approaches uh, towards a specific challenge or to solve a specific challenge. Just a quick mention here about our previous miniseries episodes where Gunnar Storfeldt and Magnus Carlsen talk about the new profession of being an internal innovation leader. You can find those episodes on SoundCloud, iTunes and naturally at AmplifyInnovation.com. Anyway, Back to you and, and strategy. So you've got you've got your uh, why you're doing it. You know where you're going to focus. You're pretty sure you've got the right level of ambition. The approach has been decision, decided by a fantastically careful uh, sort of innovation leader. What do we do next? Set the money aside. <laughs> <laughs> so request yeah. the budget. Smash up in the piggy bank. Yeah, yeah. Smash up the piggy bank. <laughs> 
<laughs> You're right. Yeah, and and uh, I think there's a big shift now. Uh, if you have a, a coordinated effort here, you start to see that it is not one project, it's not one approach, but it's a set of, of activities, perhaps throughout the year or, or in a quarter or whatever, that enables you maybe to have more of a coordinated budget to, for all of these activities. So, uh, and that makes it also easier for top management to make a decision and to allocate the proper funds. Otherwise, if you just do it case by case, project by project, they're too small. Each initiative is too small so that you never get the proper funding for it. Now, if you have more of a let's say, holistic approach, you have the complete portfolio of innovation activities, you can get a centralized budget for it and, and uh, um, yeah, allocate properly resources properly for that. Is there a challenge to get the right budget to for those those companies definitely yeah it sounds like that because yeah. if you have been into innovation in a f just a specific area of your company but all of a sudden not all of a sudden but today you have to innovate on all areas that requires a lot of funding and yeah. what m money and time and there's educate people to have the right skills to do it Th that that brings us actually to the last question uh, because the last question is, is very much about how do you govern and measure? And, and if, if you don't measure it properly, uh, it's, it will be hard to motivate and, just, motivate and justify the investment. So uh, if you start an initiative today to renew parts of your organization and you don't perhaps have a direct revenue stream to it, uh, how do you then justify it if, if there's no direct revenue stream to it? If, if your only measure point of measurement is perhaps income from customers. So you need to introduce new key performance indicators. You must introduce, uh, and that is what the last question is about. You know, how, how do we measure that we are doing the right thing? Uh, and how do we measure that we are doing the things right? So it's two, two sides, you know, doing, doing the right things and doing the things right. This very much comes back to your initial question about culture. Because if we believe that a certain behavior, certain attitude, certain uh, ways of doing things will promote and foster the, the right culture, then we would need to start measuring that. So, uh, as you say, it's, it's, it's like the culture conversation at the beginning at first it seemed a bit ridiculous that companies were blaming something so ethereal as culture but now it seems as if what they really need to do is make some really basic and concrete decisions in a very practical way along a certain professionalization of their innovation and then that whole culture question goes away yeah, or, or maybe, the, maybe, I mean, it's a fluffy thing, this innovation, and, and it's full of misconceptions. Uh, and, and, uh, but I think bringing it down to practically, a uh, lot of practical, pragmatic activities, start looking at, at the, the, uh, the uh, behaviors that we think is good for our culture or that should be, constitute our culture, and, and start working towards them and requesting them and then also measuring them and, and rewarding them and then you know through this this structured planning process you will achieve an innovative culture mm -hmm. so i think 
the strategic plan can be a good feeding ground for the culture rather than you know be eaten by the culture it can actually nurture the culture a lot when when companies or organizations come to you and they already have an innovation maybe an innovation system or management system but they still need help you, they they need your expertise where do they get lost but you you probably you can get stuck in several places i i think this let's say the objective and the focus part is uh, they have too many things they would like to change so they need to be able to perhaps prioritize and and uh, put them in a sequence like a ro- kind of a roadmap of uh, these are the areas we would like to change in the following order because of the following you know situation etc so that's one thing the, the prioritization and the, the kind of roadmap of change and then the second part uh, that they always get stuck on is the, this approach thing you know to, to have several different tools to solve different challenges they, they believe that as long as we do it with one way and currently it's design thinking and in the past it was you know open innovation in two years time uh, listen uh, I, I challenge you and the next wave will be data-driven innovation so that's the new silver bullet in two, two years down the road that's the new silver bullet and I think people get stuck there they don't have and management especially doesn't uh, don't have the the broad understanding of the different tools that they can actually uh, work with so th- these are the two most common uh, issue or problems let's say so when you said earlier that the innovation can be a really difficult and fluffy uh, topic in fact this this kind of professionalization is is making it less and less fluffy and then that whole culture question goes away yeah for sure it's uh it's uh, structuring it. it it's cre- you're creating uh, a terminology around it so that people will start to, to say and think the same, think alike and, and s- the same when they talk about it. So, uh, yeah, the professionalization will, will make it a lot easier to innovate on it and, and improve over time. Yeah. yeah, thank you, Johan, for joining us and help us demystify innovation. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure being here. Okay, let's get a voice from reality. Does all this actually work? Well, we went down to Tyrens to find out if applying this approach makes a difference. Here is Cecilia Granat. We were thinking about how can we put Tyrens in a certain spot in the market. We worked with Amplify during the spring in 2014, and they interviewed uh, a lot of a lot of our clients to find out what they think about the consultants, about the technician consultants in general, and what they thought about Tyrens. And the image that we got was they think that Tyrens is one of many consultants. That was what we expected, but not what we wanted. So then we started to think, okay, so how can we move from this spot? And we just started to put ourselves in the client's shoes in a a much larger extent to see what is the help they need? What is the product they need? Can we be even more advisors to the client and really be in their process? We thought, 
Now we really need to work with everybody here and get everybody to see that everything should be from the customer's point of view. And what are really the customer's problem? Because sometimes you just uh, answer the questions in a tender like, okay, we need for road, we're going for road design. Then they need a road technician and they need a geotechnician. Or maybe when we put ourselves in the client's shoes, we discover that there will be no road if we don't start even earlier with the municipality. Because if we can help the client to get the decision from the municipality right, then they will be able to build the road and then we can give them the road designers. So we moved even, we moved like into the client. What is really the client's problem? So actually you, you extended your offering to to your clients with their like what what was the pre-step before they defined their question before they invited consultancies like Turians to come in and help them do business you offered them an earlier step uh no not really actually we we offer them when we often when we do these public tenders you get like it's really all those documents but we what we did we described not just we will get a road designer we will ro- design the road for you and we will do it like this and this but we also described this problem that we n- knew they were sitting in so they didn't have to ask we discussed we described how we would work with the municipality and how we would help them with the questions they would have in to come to build this road we hadn't worked in that way before Then we just had answered the questions they put to us. But now we really try to put ourselves in their shoes. So you you want a really close relationship and a permanent sort of customer journey relationship in the culture of Turin. Yes. Uh, in your own process of becoming more innovative, yeah. uh, does being more innovative pass on to the customer as well, increasing their innovation? Your approach to innovation becomes something of their approach. Is that how it works? Yes, I would say so. We get much more of a trust with a client because they they trust us, so they are they are willing to try certain things that will will innovate their project. So they dare to 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 try different types of innovation in the products as well, and that is really good. We we talk to a lot of organizations, and they say that. Um, Uh, you can't be system. You can't systemize an innovation process. It's just happen. Or if you invite people to join, they will join if they if they have something to improve the, your business or the customer value with. So what you're saying is that you've seen prove that a systemized way to work with innovation does really bring customer value. Yeah. It, re- it really does. It's really a systemized type of innovation. And we, in this type of innovation, we started with our behaviors because this is, this is closely related to our culture and what we are. We do this type of innovation in different areas now. We do this with our reports. We do this in our tenders. We do this in our behaviors. So it's in different levels. And now we'd like to take the next step And then that's why we are working with Amplify again. We started this conversation and, and, I, and I mentioned the fact that people were blaming culture for their lack of innovation. Mm. Um, but, but now we're talking about culture as a kind of behavioral core value system. So yes. if, if we take that as the... Yeah. As the uh, does that help you having a strong core value system with your own innovative strategy? If we think of questions like, you know, how ambitious should we be? Or what approach should we have? If you have a strong 
core value of your in your uh, cultural approach those are those questions easier to answer yes much easier since since 2014 we are one a lot of projects in this way we work. I really want to put put this out because this is really, really good. And also our economic result has augmented really much. And this is um, this is really an outcome of our projects. So I'm I'm really sure we hadn't won those projects if we hadn't done this. So systematic innovation equals better money. Yeah, really. Um, but uh, sometimes someone comes up to me and said, "Oh, this work we have done with like this um, this work with the clients and this work with Amplify and does it does it give any results?" And then I can like show them a list of projects that we have won with not the lowest price, but just because we have we have uh, ensured the client that we know what they want. When you get the result, when you get the, like I got the November report today, and it was like, wow, we're doing even a better year than we ever done this year. It's like, wow. And I, I know that it is because of the, the, in the way that we work. It's really cool. On that positive note, I'll thank you so much, Cecilia, for joining us here on Demystify Innovation. The next episode is our last one of this series, where we look back over the things we've learned. Naturally, we'll be back in the new year with a whole new set of innovation experts, gurus and thought leaders. Make sure you don't miss anything by subscribing at iTunes, SoundCloud or you can find us at our website AmplifyInnovation.com. Thanks for listening. This podcast was produced by Jonathan Foster for Foster Media and Hannah Serfeld for Amplify Innovation.